Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Right down the barrel of the lens. <laughs> <laughs> this is the consequence of my dreams <laughs> that'd be an interesting segment so you live at your parents house yeah <laughs> this is a consequence of my dreams Walking Blind is hosted by overly emotional dudes who overthink and overanalyze everything. Nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. They're not professionals, and they're about to make that very clear. So just kick back and hang with them, because you've earned it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Walking Blind Podcast. This is episode 51. This is the uh, the show where we like to normalize checking in on the homies. I'm Mike. That is also Mike. And we have a very special guest in-house today. Uh, not only has this man done a lot of a lot of cool-ass projects uh, with us, he's also the owner of the uh, patent-pending Ryan Foss Fastball. We got our boy Ryan in the house. <laughs> <clears throat> little golf clap, like a little, little enthusiasm here. <clears throat> um, so we got our boy Ryan in the house. We uh, finally got him away from his his crazy work schedule, work like quote-unquote work schedule, if you call it that. It doesn't seem like work to you. No, but, definitely not. <clears throat> you know, um, <clears throat> so we're here, and we want to we wanna sit down. We kind of want to talk about, uh, about uh, how not only have we been friends for, for a long time, we also have the uh, the ability to say that both of us on the left side of the couch here were coached by Michael Perez yep. <laughs> on the far side. He was our baseball coach extraordinaire. <clears throat> this is, you are patient zero. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like he is, you are the first one to change coaching for me. 
I even he was number four. I like I always like he is oh, yeah, literally he was your number, right? No, but I like every every year that I've coached after that, it's like after you graduate, obviously, like when someone wears number four, I'm like, it's a special number. <laughs> that's that's love to that shit. Like that's fastest number. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and you're rocking the Knights jersey tonight. Yeah, that was that was fitting. Yeah, and, and I'm, we're rocking the no bragging rights shirt. So, yeah. And Mike's not rocking. I'm wearing blue. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's that's about as close as it gets to uh to La Sierra. To La Sierra. Like I, Angels hat on. I actually have um, I have like my batting gloves and a <laughs> hat somewhere in the garage, like a knight's hat somewhere in the garage. But it's been so many years that it, now it's all flat because it's just been like stuck under a bunch of shit. So every time I try and put it on, it just looks dumb and I just don't wear it. But do you have a glove? I do have a glove. I do have a glove. I've told you this, Mike. We've talked about throwing a baseball for forever now. Why haven't we? I have, you know that I have like literally in my trunk, I have baseballs, gloves. You know, in my neighborhood, there's a little field that we can just walk over to and throw. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, after this, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Dude, we, should, we should get like a glow in the dark baseball and then throw at night. I don't trust that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. uh, I don't know if I can still throw as hard as I used to. None of us do, man. None of us can. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right, so uh, we could talk. We we could talk all day about uh, baseball and all day about the cannon that Ryan Foss has. But uh, I kind of want to. I kind of want to take it back a little bit. So um, <clears throat> when I first got to La Sierra, um, and I met you. You were like technically a year younger than me, but we still had some same classes together because there was mm -hmm. this weird transitional phase that like I had to do a full year at La Sierra before I could graduate. So for like the last three months of the year or something like that, when I first switched over, they just put me in all kinds of random ass classes. And then like, I remember you guys were like, I, nobody knows what grade you're in. Like nobody knows. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, are you sophomore, are you junior, are you senior? Like, I, I don't know. <clears throat> Wasn't it like uh, sophomore more or something? Hey, in, your, in my phone, you're still sophomore more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was like, no, nobody knows like what, what grade you're in. I was like, yeah, I, I guess I don't really know either because I'm just doing a bunch of random classes. Uh, I never knew that. that yeah. That was a thing. And then, uh, and then you were already playing baseball when I got to school, right? Like you were already on the team, and I don't think I could play that first year when Mike approached me. Wait, so you? Oh, wait, so are you guys a year apart then, or two years apart? I think a year. I think a year. Yeah. Yeah. Tech. I mean, I guess technically it would have been two, mm -hmm. but then because I was supposed to be oh five, but then when I came out here, I didn't. I like I couldn't graduate till oh six. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess like, you know, on paper it's a year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So now I'm confused. So, so then did you come. So the so you could have played his sophomore year. So when I first got out here, it was 2005, um, and it was like right before the summer of 2005. And when I left Georgia, I was a senior, like getting ready to graduate. Like we had put in senior letters. I was like everything. Mm. And my dad was like, the "Fuck out of the house." Basically, and he didn't say it like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. but <clears throat> he just kicked me out of the house. Mm. And then uh, the choice was you can either go live in North Carolina and go to like an all boys um, boarding school. Now I probably would accept that. Um, 
<laughs> but, uh, dream. but, um, or it was like either that or you can go live with Philip, go live with your cousin and, and finish out school in California. And I was like, Oh, I guess I'm going back to California. Um, <clears throat> so that's when I left, I came out here and then, um, dude, and it was like the most emo shit ever. Cause like I had a fucking girlfriend back home and like, I had just started dating like a cheerleader in at the high school and then I got like kicked out. So it was like this big, like don't don't forget me i'll be back I'm like i'll be back on spring break <laughs> yeah. like all this shit and then uh <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then so like, i i remember i don't know if i've ever told you this and i don't know if you know this i remember being there like my first couple days and it was raining outside and i fucking sat underneath the flagpole just looking at a picture of my girlfriend in the rain <laughs> and i knew i was gonna change la sierra forever and bring the emo face to la sierra and it happens and it happens <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that, that was like, I, I'm pretty sure like, like I was hanging out with Felix and BJ and all them at the time, but then I had classes also with you guys. So there was like, I would just hang out with just a huge, like random ass group of people at the school. Like half of my friends were stoners. The other half of like, you guys were just like, Oh, let's fucking ride dirt bikes. And, like, <laughs> and then, and then, uh. And that's when, um, according to my aunt, LSA went gay. Because <laughs> um, apparently, I, I just was like, "Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm gonna wear tight pants, yeah, and I'm gonna, girl's uh, pants, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna wear girls' pants, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna hang out with a bunch of my friends and and act gay." And then apparently, it just became a thing. I didn't know I started the gay trend at LSA, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> But it is what it is, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, we all started wearing uh, girls' pants, going to the thrift store, picking up girl <laughs> jeans. Because you couldn't get them back then. No. Nothing was tight for men at that point. So yeah. I think all of our parents were looking at us funny. I, w- I will say, though, that like um, I don't like to take credit for any of that. But I will say that Ryan Foss had the biggest like growth development when it came to like hardcore music and like all this shit because he started off listening like oh there's some, this music's cool it's got some screaming in it and then like fast forward he's at fucking terror shows with a bandana <laughs> on his face <laughs> he's like moshing with the best yeah. of them at showcase We're like holy shit yeah so <clears throat> yeah yeah kind of kind of an og in the little little riverside hardcore yeah actually my first show outside of my parents taking me to concerts because my dad <laughs> Pretty sure he took me to Pat Benatar a couple times when I was younger. But the first show I decided to go to was actually a No Bragging Rights show when I was a freshman in high school. And it was at a church actually not too far from here. And uh, yeah, I think that really just changed things for me. It was like a whole new world of like music. I was coming out of listening to like punk, like No Effects and Pennywise and all that. And this was just like a smooth transition into to listening to your guys' music and then starting to kind of get into the scene and go to the shows and it was a fun time. I mean, hardcore was really big back then. Yeah. And there were shows around. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And you could just, you could, you could find some of the sickest shows in like the most, um, like, like the places that you wouldn't expect. Right. Like, it'd be like, oh, um, this shows at the back of a pizzeria, like in Marina. What was that place in Marina <laughs> Valley? Boompas? Uh... I think so. Yeah, it sounds and, right. Yeah, and then like you'd you'd be like, "What? It's a pizza place!" Like, all right, let's show up, and then there'd be shows that would just go off. And you'd be like, "Oh my god!" Like kids are getting <laughs> thrown into tables and chairs, and like church. I mean, the church church shows were like yeah, like legit back <clears throat> yeah. then. Like there's my brother's church where we had, then there was the ship, 
right? Yeah. Is that what it was mm-hmm. called? Yeah, the ship over in uh over at the the upstairs room. Right. And, and then eventually and the, the downstairs area. Yeah. And then nitty gritty. Yeah. Were you guys I think you guys might have been too young. Were you, was the Oasis still a thing? I don't remember the Oasis. I, think I don't think so. Actually, I'm trying to remember what it was called the Oasis. It was like in Redlands. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't around for that. I I do remember some random shows being over here at Schooners. Yeah. Um, like in the little arcade area over at Schooners, which is like right down the street from here. Yeah, we do. We played NBR played with the Swellers there. Yeah, it's just wild. Yeah, that's that's rad. What a cool, like what a cool time. Like that was like there was literally every weekend there was something, mm-hmm. and it was rad that you know, and that that's like at that time that's when I feel like, you know, we, for being from California, like we truly felt spoiled like yeah i think for i think when i was in high school you know we had chain reaction we had the showcase we had the barn we had a place called coos but the barn used to go off like back in the day yeah glass house like we had i feel like when i was young like we had uh all these cool venues and then like cool house parties and then i think when i was getting out of high school and like you guys i think your guys this time in high school there was a, like a lot more, because those places were still around. I don't think the barn was around anymore, but I think a lot of cool venues were still around. But, but also just like people were like putting on their own shows. Like I said, churches, like halls, like the V. Was it the um, like VFW hall? Yeah, yeah. Like it was. I feel like every weekend there was something cool going on. I feel like my uh, my first MBR show. I think you were there. Um, was actually at the Glass House on the side stage. Side room. Yeah, yeah the side room of the Glass House. Um, and it was just like a bunch of us rolled deep. Cause they're like, I had no clue who you guys were at the time. Like, I, I, I don't think I had even met you yet. Um, <clears throat> and they were just like, oh yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Mikey. It's, it's coach Mikey. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, we, we, you know, it's like, a, they're like a, they're like a punk band, but like, it's, it's pretty cool. We should go. And I was like, okay. And I, I think, um. I think Kareem went that night too, and the only reason that Kareem could go is because he was hanging out with me and Philip, mm. and we all went. Nice. So, and because it was right down the street from my aunt's house, um, we all, you know, we got dropped off and <laughs> showed up to this NPR show. Was that was that uh, was that when we played with Underminded? Maybe. I I remember uh, somebody telling me or somebody trying to explain to me because what was his name Anthony got on stage and and took the mic. And they were like, oh, Mike's not happy about that. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> or Anthony. Oh, like a, as in like our old guitar player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I would have cared. Did I care? I don't know. I, I, just, I just remember people telling me like random facts and, and shit. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know anything that's going on right now. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, and then it was like maybe like a month after that where you were like, hey, you're, you're not from around here. Huh? And that's with the whole baseball and recruiting you yeah recruiting me into the baseball mafia <clears throat> yeah so like for anyone anyone uh okay so when i when i coached baseball like i took coaching super serious to the point where like i had a lot of you guys like young like you guys are all like freshmen and so i didn't really like talk i mean i wouldn't like obviously i wouldn't like deny it but like i didn't go out of my way to share about like my music or whatever yeah and so it was like such a cool like it took it took time but like I think I had rules about like we don't talk. We can talk music after practice, but like during practice, we don't talk about. But what was cool is like, I guess towards like later on in high school for you guys, especially towards your senior year. I think your senior specifically, like it'd be cool because any local show MBR I had, there'd be like 
like a ton of like our LS our LSH <laughs> like kids you know and it's a tiny private school yeah but like they'd be like everywhere in the show like you had to be moshing stage diving so it was like it was like such a cool like little like moment for me as a coach but then also like you know <laughs> like I don't know it's just funny to see you know the, like these young I see you guys as little kids and then like by the time you guys were like seniors like, like I said like Ryan's in there like crowd killing people yeah <laughs> like I don't know it was just do we we saw an LSA baseball shirt uh, in Portland? Uh, really? Who who was that that was at the show? Oh yeah, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I was just I just remember sitting at the bar to see somebody walk in, and I had to do a double take. I was like, LSA baseball, and then I I think I had text uh, text you or it came out to the van. I was like, dude, there's somebody wearing an LSA baseball shirt, and you're like, what? And then Mike went on this mission to figure out who it was, and then I just I never followed. Did he play for it. the team <clears throat> back in the day? Yeah. Yeah, I forget what year. I tried. He told me I. I that's it. Sucks because like I literally have no idea now. When people ask, like if someone were to ask, like what year did Ryan play? I'd be like, I mean, how many years did you coach for? You coached for a really long time. I coached for a long time. But then you also start like full time coach junior high too. So a lot of those kids, yeah, like, like went into high school eventually and just yeah. Yeah, I have like the three phases of my coaching. I'm my assistant coach with my brother, which is like all your guys' years, mm -hmm. and then then head coaching the junior high. And then leaving, and then coming back as a head coach, and then head coaching high school and junior high yeah. at the same time. Like, yeah, crazy, crazy. I miss it. I miss coaching. <clears throat> Why don't you go, have you have you talked to Woody about going back? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just yeah. With everything going on, like I my my fear is I don't want to commit, and then I can't I can't yeah. do it. So I, like my I'm, I'm even now I'm like telling him like get a coach, like get a head coach. I think Eric is going to be the head coach. Oh, okay. Yeah, Eric Smith. And so I'm, my, I've been trying to tell Woodbury, like, like pick a coach and then I'll come and help. And that way, like, you know, if my schedule is allow, it allows for it, you know, even if I'm only there for like twice a week, I would like, 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 give me the pictures. I'll just work with pictures or like, yeah. or I'll just do hitting one day. Like, I don't know. I'd, I would love to just coach. Like, I would love that, but like, <laughs> can't, make, can't make a living. Yeah. Out there yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm curious though, like, had you had you had, you know, me and Ryan, now, as as like players on your team, like, what would you have done differently coaching? Mm. I mean, first off, like, what would you have done to get Ryan's fastball from forty to forty five? <laughs> oh, dude, it, it would have been completely. <laughs> I mean, true, it was slow, man. <laughs> so, okay, so when when uh, my brother and I have we've had these conversations too because. When we started coaching, especially in the era when we started coaching, we had just like for myself, I had just finished playing. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, um, and it was crazy for me to like have to exp like teach how to throw, like properly. Yeah, I never thought to do that. Like you know, and it was one of those things where like I played on teams where like if someone didn't throw right, we basically like, I guess we either helped coach them as like players ourselves, or like it just. I don't even know. Like, it just or you're would, just like, get out. Or, yeah, we're done. honestly, yeah. honestly, yeah. it was like, yeah, don't be on. Like, you can't be here. Yeah, and and so like, uh, there was like a a time where I think we like we had to teach. Like for you, I remember it blew my mind. I'm like, wait, you've never played baseball before? I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, but you're in high school. And you're like, yeah, I've never played before. I'm like, that's how I felt okay. when he said, I've never lifted a weight before. I was like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. Like, dude. how are you so ripped? You have bigger biceps than half the team. Yeah, you're like, I ride motorcycles. I'm like, yeah. 
Uh, that gives you that when you like, oh, what <laughs> like he was ripped like people don't like when we said it wasn't even like he was just like skinny skinny strong like he was like ripped yeah. as a little kid as i a just kid, he, all i remember i also remember during that time somebody just randomly explaining to me like yeah dude um ryan broke his kneecaps and i was like what like yeah he he like he like broke his kneecaps riding motorcycles i was like what are you talking about and you're like yeah yeah i messed my knees up and he just like so casually just walks away and i'm like you need to explain this story to me what's happening and they still hurt well one of them still hurts because it didn't set they didn't know it was broken so i was on it and it never set so to this day it hurts and that was was that that was before baseball yeah before baseball yeah still an athlete yeah still that's crazy fast as hell and yeah, but Mikey is the one that really uh, taught me taught me how to throw because I came out to the field and I I was terrible. <laughs> I could barely <laughs> throw and um, but I just you know I I was happy that I got redshirted so I yeah. could still be oh, yeah. part of <laughs> I could still be part of the team. Yes. Um, and so redshirted basically means that you can still practice, you can still go to the games, but you just can't like you know dress up and be a part of the team on the game day. But uh, Mikey just stuck with me and he kept on, he stuck with me, he taught me, he believed in me. And I think that that was so crucial because from the beginning of my freshman year to the end of my freshman year, I went from a red shirt to, you know, starting, uh, starting player. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't have anybody that was believing in me, because I know that some of the previous teams, some of the guys from previous years, like, and even some of the seniors that were there my year, they didn't want to help. They kind of like, uh. looked, there was kind of like that senior freshman dynamic and I didn't really care for it. So when I became the senior, I know it really made it important. It was important to me that I was going to try to be cool, be cool and pass it on because yeah. that's basically what you did is you were the cool coach and I was the player that didn't know how to play. So I was like, I'm going to do what Mikey taught me to do with the long hair. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was fascinating for me. Like, cause I was just like, wait, you've never I don't understand. Like you never play baseball. And so, um, I remember having these conversations with my brother early on and it was just like, dude, he's such a good kid, but like, we don't have space. We don't have, we don't have room. And so like my brother was like, well, we can, we can redshirt him. We can. And it was you, I think you and like probably like Taka, right? Yeah. Taka. <laughs> and, and it was like, felt so bad. Cause like, and the other thing too, was like, um, you know, small, we're a small school. And so we have like so many, so many jerseys and no budget right? and no budget. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and so it was, Mario was the one who was actually like, yeah, we can, I mean, we can redshirt him, but I don't know. I don't think they're going to want to stay, man. Like, and, and we had, I remember we had to be, I had to be up front. That's so dude. I remember. Yeah. I remember I had to be the one cause Mario was like, if you want to do this, like you, you handle <laughs> this. You. Like this is you. And I was like, Oh fuck. I was like, all right. And so I remember, yeah, I, it, I was just like, okay guys. Um, I'm gonna redshirt you guys, and I didn't know what to say because I didn't. I'd never really like. I've been on teams, and I just assumed they were just cut. Yeah. Because like teams, teams that I had played for, I didn't know that we had redshirts. I feel like it was just like, if you had, I think you had that option. Most kids just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Like they just, you don't. No. You don't want that like stigma of like, oh, I didn't quite make it. But. Yeah, but it was like one of those things where I remember like, because it sounds like a, it sounds like a pretty shit deal. Yeah. It's like you're on the team, you practice with us, you do everything with us, but you don't get a jersey and you don't get to travel like that like that's like the rule it's like and so but it's like but you can still come you can still be here and still practice and then like 
I felt kind of crushed, like delivering this news. And then they both were like, <laughs> like didn't they, like, they high five? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. High <laughs> they were like all excited. And I was like, all right, cool. I was like, dude. That's, yeah. And so, um, I still, use, even now I still use the example of like, cause it's true. And like, and, and Ryan made it true that like, if you work hard enough, you'll play. And he started for us in our first playoff game that year as a freshman, he started for us. And like, you know, and it was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm think there's like circumstances, but it was like, you were ready. Like you had worked so hard that year to be ready. And so I, I, I tell it to like every kid that I coach and I'm like, dude, cause like, you know, every, we've had years where, you know, we were blessed to have all these kids come out and I'm like, we're going to have to yeah. redshirt you guys. And, and it's been, it's been kind of one of those things where like, I have, I have guys that I've redshirted that, you know, could have been on the team as far as like skill wise, but we just had too many. And I tell him like, dude, hey, like yeah, I'm retroing you, but just like you still come to practices, but like, like we're gonna improve grades, your game. Yeah, grades happen though. Grades happen. Um, injuries happen. Like you always have an opportunity. And like, you know, I it it's it's like been such a bummer because I'll have kids that just they won't. They're like, yeah. no, I'm good then. It's a bummer. Like it, it, it's definitely one of those things where you're like, oh shit. Like I don't want to be that guy that just like shows up and throws a ball around. Like you know what I mean? Like. So I could definitely understand the mentality of somebody who wouldn't want to yeah. stick it out. But, but oh man, it was, it was, but it was a, uh, like Ryan, I think Ryan's probably the, he was the most extreme and he was the first one. <laughs> and so it like, it set this, like, I had like, I was like, well, I have no choice, but to like believe in this now. Yeah. And so every year yeah. after that, like if we had red shirts, I would give him that spiel and I never felt like a liar. Cause I'm like, I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen literally it seen it. I've, I've seen literally it seen, you know, someone go from never playing baseball to being our starting center fielder. Like yeah. all within that same year. So, you know, it's all about, it's all about the, you know, what you're willing to put in and the work and you worked hard. So I think. Yeah. I've, and I think you have, you have to have people that believe in you too, right? You got to have people that are there to believe in you and to also teach you. Um, Cause yeah, the work ethic can pay off and I think you got to lower your ego a little bit, but and I think that that can translate beyond just this baseball thing, but just yeah. like, I think in life, like you're going to get into, you know, maybe doing a podcast or, or doing something, you know, picking up a guitar and you're going to suck like at first, yeah. Yeah. but if you stick with it and you get some good people around you that believe in you and you go through <clears throat> and you try and learn, like you can, you can progress forward. Yeah. And, uh, and I've seen pl plenty of people do it in other things as well. Yeah. I definitely think it also translated for like for you. Well, I I could honestly say like ever since the day I met you, I feel like you've always been really good natured, right? Like mm -hmm. you've always been like like even even when you would get mad about things, you were still like super super nice about shit too. <laughs> like you could tell like oh Ryan's mad, but he's still polite and he's still like you know hey man you know. <clears throat> um, but that work ethic that we saw like in baseball and everything like legitimately translated over to life, you know, like, um, you know, for those of you who got, who don't know, which, you know, uh, we haven't really said much, but, um, Ryan, you know, owns or, and runs basically a, a production company. Um, <clears throat> and you know, like the big niche or the specialty is, um, automotive, right? So like you work a lot with enthusiast network, um, hot rod, you know, um, did a did a show for uh discovery plus uh garage rescue um <clears throat> and ryan has has you know through his hard work has hooked me up with some work as well <laughs> so you know i'm thankful for that but 
Um, I think that there was always like this, this um, drive in you that was always just like, oh, I want to do this. So I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started even like even right then, like out of high school, just the idea of like Cool Guys Productions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the little silhouette of you and Austin <laughs> <laughs> as the logo. Um, I started it, in high school, right? Yeah. 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 And it was like this little passion project that that turned into, um, you know, just something bigger. And that just that constant growth. And like, you know, um, we talked about a little bit before the show started, but like you guys did the the like two of the creative void music videos that are out there um you guys even shot the live declare your war video from back <laughs> in the day um you gotta pull that up if <laughs> it's on youtube is it yeah oh. it's on youtube so um like just seeing that like growth and progression and then just seeing where you know like that kind of determination like almost almost to a point of like stubbornness where you're like no nah, i'm gonna do this like i you know and, you know, we've kind of seen like that, like, like I, I'll, I'll use you a lot as an example when I talk about like, oh, well, you know, um, you know, people that kind of like, and this sounds cheesy because you're sitting right next to me, but like people that inspire me to do stuff. Cause I'm like, dude, like, like I've seen Ryan like stick things out yeah. and then like make it happen. You know, even in times when like, you know, your business went from like, you know, it was a partnership and then it grew to like a company where there were, there were a bunch of you guys mm-hmm. and then you wanted to go one direction and I might be wrong in this. I, from what I remember, you wanted to go one direction. Um, everybody else kind of wanted to do different things. So you're like, well, okay, I'm just going to keep going. Like, I'm not going to stop. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was like the, the transition to Ryan Foss productions. Right. Yep. <clears throat> so like seeing that determination and that, like that push, it was like, okay, cool. Like, um, I still want to do this. I'm still on this path and I'm going to keep doing it. And it, and that's tough because like when you work with friends and you work with family and you work with people that are so close to you, it's kind of hard to just be like, Hey, well, okay, you guys do you and I'm going to do me. And you know, we're going to, you know, we'll still work together, uh, here and there, but I, I have to do this for myself, you know? Um, and I've always like been really impressed by that. Like just seeing you do like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like I'm going to, like move to San Diego or in like, you know, you'll like hit me up about the most random projects. Like I'm riding a bike for like a fucking million miles or something like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, like I, I think it's like, you know, it's, it's impressive to see that, like that work ethic and everything still carry over. And like, even just seeing the video, like, you know, you watch the declare your war video. Yeah. We were learning some things. <laughs> um, the creative void videos, like another thing too, one thing that I learned from these guys is sometimes you just got to make shit work, right? Uh, when we were filming the Creative Void SOS video, we had Ryan had a helmet camera, like a POV camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I say helmet camera, it was a dirt bike helmet <laughs> with like PVC pipe and like a mount with the camera, like here on this, like just big DSLR on the mm-hmm. side. And that was the POV camera. Like that was what we were using. And there's still a picture, I think, uh, like on Facebook and mm-hmm. stuff of that camera. To just like last week, he posted a picture in SEMA with like this like pretty expensive helmet, like POV rig. And I was like, dude, you've come a long way. <laughs> like this has been a big shift. So <clears throat> yeah, man. Um, like when we did those Creative Void videos, like it was like, there were no sliders or anything like that. It was all PVC pipe and like skateboards, like just, you know, like <laughs> yeah. to get those, those angles and shit. So 
yeah, man. I'm like, I'm I, like, I'm still impressed by you, but I'm proud of you at the same time because I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, fuck yeah, like this is sick, you know. So thank you, man. I appreciate yeah, man. that. It's been really Sorry fun. To go we've, off a little bit. And like, <laughs> we've we've collaborated a lot over yeah. the years, and we, to this day, we're still working on different things. You know? Yeah, doing music videos, doing voiceovers, doing sound yeah. mixing. I mean, it's been been a lot of different projects over the years that we've got a chance to work on and yeah. to even just to see what i mean if you if you were here and saw this full studio and you got the behind the scenes to see how fast this went up to see the three cameras here the lights you know all the the sound mixing and everything and you're sitting here talking about how you want to basically tear this place down and build <laughs> a new one i think you've been in here for like i don't know like a couple four months, months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's like it's i think it's that constant wanting to improve and yeah to get better and i think that if you're interested in something then you'll be up at night on your phone looking up new gear thinking of new ways and I know you're obsessive about yeah. all these things. Yeah. Ryan will get random texts from me. Sometimes I'll text him late at night and I won't re- expect a response until the morning. It'll just be this random like, what do you think about lavalier mics instead of, uh, you know, like using the, the, the Shure SM7s? And then he'll just be like straight up like, oh, well, you know, it's a lot easier, but you lose some clarity. It's not going to sound as crisp. Like just... <laughs> You know, like, like he knows, he knows that I'm obsessing about shit. He's like, look at this, this, and this. And then I'll, I'll just go down a rabbit hole for the next like three, four hours. So, <clears throat> but yeah, man, it's definitely, um, it's definitely cool to see like just being dumb kids, you know, like, uh, causing trouble and, and, uh, you know, sneaking away from from mario's thanksgiving or christmas parties to, to get into trouble uh type things but uh i think with you guys i, I kind of adopted the uh like just don't get caught yeah <laughs> i don't have to know you guys, please don't tell me that way I don't, i'm like by i can really be like i don't know i don't know what they're yeah. into. i don't know yeah. what they're into. i think there were definitely moments where you were just like oh, just don't don't tell me don't talk about it around me. Like, don't talk about what you guys are doing around me. Just, just, it is, you know, it is what it yeah, is. I'm like, dude, I'm not dumb, but just like, as long as you show up to practice, <laughs> as long as you don't get arrested, I'll yeah. just don't get caught. All I got to yeah. say is that when I get older and I decorate my front lawn with Christmas stuff, <laughs> if things end up missing or broken, I'm going to go outside and be like, all right, this That's, is part of my karma. This is karma. Like, this is fair. I made some bad choices when I was young. There uh, were uh, definitely years there was one year where um i came home i had just gotten an apartment right and i came home and i'm like what is all that shit on my porch and a, don't know who it was can't say who it was but everybody had access to my house at the time and there's just so many christmas decorations on my porch <laughs> like inflatable santas <laughs> and like stuff like that and i was like oh this is bad <laughs> where did all this come from <laughs> So yeah, <clears throat> yeah, definitely, definitely interesting times, and and we're past the uh, past the point where we could be charged for it, right? It's I, been long I enough. I think so, <laughs> but the karma's still there. Yeah, the karma's uh, still there. Yeah. <clears throat> I like how you just know. Yeah, because yeah. it's gonna happen. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There, um, yeah, there are definitely things that happen now that I own a house where I, like I'll walk outside and I know like some kids have fucked with some stuff and I'm like, all right. <laughs> Like there's a like if you look in the backyard there's like a shitload of lemons because kids are just chucking lemons over the fence <laughs> and I'm like, okay, nothing's broken, so that's what it is. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so that that kind of like uh, I I want to talk 
a little bit about how you got into like the the automotive space like what was the um what was that driving factor you know to go like more into this line of you know work obviously we know that you like cars and mm. stuff but what was like the kind of push to stay in this lane sure well. so i mean it was 100 percent. it's my dad you know i grew up going to car shows with him and walking around he uh the automotive general manager for the magazine business. So, you know, Street Rider, Classic Trucks, all those brands um, of magazines. And back then, we didn't have the internet. So yeah. car magazines were the thing. That's where mm -hmm. people advertise. That's where they got the word out. And my dad basically ran the sales side of it and also helped to look over the editorial. So I think like growing up around him and going to the car shows, uh, that, you know, made a, a big impression on me. But as I got older, like we were, when we were in high school, we had cars and trucks and mm -hmm. stuff, but it wasn't, we weren't, you know, building hot rods and that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. So I kind of, I can't say I was a hardcore automotive guy my whole life, but, you know, doing video production and filming, you know, weddings and funerals and like really <laughs> it, so many things over the years. Um, I think I got to this point where uh, once, once I decided to kind of like go full time with doing a video production business, um, the automotive work started to come thanks to my dad, you know, giving me kind of a first step in, into relationships and meeting people. And I think as kind of time went on, um, it just kind of came to a point where I was just decided, you know what, if I'm going to have a restaurant and I'm going to serve everything, then it's going to, it's going to be an average buffet. But if I just decide like, you know, I'm just going to try to be the best, you know, at sushi and just, you know, just really try to aim for that. Then over time, I'm just going to be, trying to get better at that one subject. So yeah. eventually there was enough work coming in from the automotive side. Mm -hmm. And, and it was also like, you know, if I go all in, then I'm going to kind of just be in it every single day. And that's really what happened. So for about the last six years, it's just been all automotive and not just filming, but just also ingesting content, whether it be watching stuff on YouTube or stuff on motor trend or stuff on Instagram, it's just all automotive is what I think about. And, how do you film a car? How do you get certain angles? It's yeah, you're doing it every single day. And I think that, um, when you can, if you have, you know, a creative business, if you can start to find your niche and specialize, it can really help you to establish your relationships and then also have your portfolio just all kind of be around like a certain subject mm -hmm. and you kind of be yeah. known as like that. That's the guy that does this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I like that analogy of, of just like, well, It'll be an average buffet if I'm doing everything, but you know, that's, yeah. that's cool. Um, <clears throat> so there, there was a, uh, I don't know if you knew about this, Mike, there was this, uh, what was a three episode series on, uh, discovery plus, um, and on his motor trend, um, garage rescue, uh, that was pretty much like, was, was that mostly your show or was this like a um like something that was presented to you or like how how did the whole garage rescue thing come about um and then for you know for just to throw it in there i, I did mix the sound yeah i did <laughs> i did the sound mix um, on it it was awesome you know but uh but like i'm kind of curious like how that all came about and what was like that like you know kind of the connecting tissue between like hgtv and all this stuff sure know? so it was originally a motor trend show called garage rescue. And the idea was we were going to go find someone's car that, uh, you know, wasn't quite restored that needs some work. We'd bring it back to our tech center. 
where we actually had hired you know guys that would work on on the cars and did all the week to wicked shows like you know jason scudelary and all those guys right um and basically fix up the car for them get it back up and running and then we bring them in and reveal it so that was the original concept and then i got an email one day and it was like hey uh you know this is now going to be um discovery hgtv and motor trend coming together for the first time because discovery basically took over motor trend and rebranded so this was going to be the first time that those three brands we're going to collaborate on a branded piece of content. And they're like, so what we want to do is we want to go and redo people's garages and we want to upgrade their cars. And I was like, cool. So who do we have to help? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, we're going to have you produce it. So you need to kind of like, we're going to give you the money to do it, but you're going to have to go out and kind of figure those things out. So yeah, man, that was how nerve wracking so was that? You had to find the crew that would actually do these modelings, and so we did everything. You know, basically, Motor Trends um, partnered with with my company to to go out to do the casting to find the people that were going to be like three deserving candidates to actually have their garages redone mm -hmm. and um, you know upgrades done to their car. And in as part of that, you know, I hired a you know, a company to come in and do the actual cabinets inside of the garages, somebody to do electrical, someone to an actual really awesome, the best find was an interior designer who actually designed each garage and gave it like an aesthetic. Um, and then we, we actually brought in Wesley to, Wesley to, Garrett. Yeah, oh, he no did the, yeah, he did all the car upgrades um, for us. So it was just a lot of moving pieces and it was during the middle of COVID when you couldn't get parts yeah. and everybody was just kind of like backed up in businesses and they did it in like a really short time period. But it's it's having the right people, bringing the right people together. And I was really fortunate to have, you know, a lot of really great people come together. And man, that was it was the hardest one. I think it was the most stressful. <laughs> it was, it was time hectic. Yeah. That uh that I had to go through. But uh <clears throat> But I'm really happy with with how it came out. I think we, we got a chance to work with Chris Jacobs, which he did overhaul and and he's one of the you know most well known hosts in the automotive space. And mm. I got a chance to work with him, you know, one on one. And my grandpa would you know be watching those shows growing up, and I would be watching them with him. And so yeah. to like it, it kind of felt like full circle to go and do a project like this. But it really came down to people. Like you know, Mike was was doing all the sound mixing for. For the project and just bringing in all the right people to to do something like that it was it was definitely an interesting experience because uh i that was one of the first times that i had to deal with like strict timelines and producers like like different producers and stuff sending me emails or like hey uh can we change this to 720 decibels and you know <laughs> we'll, like you know we yeah. want to put the telephone effect on this and i'm like oh, okay cool yeah absolutely yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it you know and then I, but of course i'm also doing it part-time where i'm like i'm working my day job mm -hmm. and then at nights i'm just pulling all night it was like <laughs> yeah oh, editing and shit but it was cool man. it was fun like it, it was and then just seeing like all of it come together and like seeing those episodes come out i was like oh dude that's fucking sick like it's it's so cool you know so <clears throat> Um, but you've got to, you've gotten an opportunity to work like on a lot of cool, like projects, you know, like the week to wicked series, which was, um, you know, like different cars being basically, um, fixed up and, and, um, you know, like basically souped up rides in a week, mm -hmm. you know, um, that all ends with a burnout type thing. <laughs> um, and then the, uh, like the, uh. Uh, was it Ultimate Adventure, like yeah. off-roading um, series that you did? And then, um, 
there was an there was another project that you were working on that you were telling me about. Uh, the, um, the Rivian was it the Rivian yeah. project. Yeah, we did uh, the first basically first coast to coast trip with a Rivian. It's actually the first electric truck to go from coast to coast, and it was mainly off road. So that was with Motor Trend and Rivian. So that was that was super neat to also just be a part of that. You know, I think like one day be cool when you know we're likely going to see electric cars kind of consuming our our highways. But mm-hmm. to to tell maybe my future daughter like, hey, like. <laughs> This was something that I got a chance to to be a part of. So, definitely a lot of uh, really great great opportunities. But I really I like kind of bringing this back. Like, I don't think I really had the confidence in myself before baseball. Like when I think about the timeline of my life, it was really like baseball was a start, and then I kind of like moved on with that confidence into you know class office and and doing the business and stuff. But I just think it was like so fundamental to to have that confidence boost. Like okay, well, if I can start here and I can work hard and then I can come out and have results here, then why can't I do that somewhere else? Um, So I I have a lot to thank Mikey for. In fact, uh, everybody knows, you know, that watches this show about no bragging rights, but, and that Mikey is a wordsmith. I still remember when he, uh, when I was graduating as a senior, he wrote me this really nice letter. He uh, typed it out and printed it. And man, I just, I would read that like every, every so often when I needed like extra motivation, I just like go back and read that letter and it was like super special. So it all, it all really comes back. Uh, That's nice, man. I never got a letter. <laughs> <laughs> you were never a red shirt. <laughs> uh, all right. So I kind of want to, I want, so you said a couple of things there, and I want to kind of tie us back, seeing as we are a mental health podcast. Uh, I kind of want to tie in our um, our mental health check, which is what we do. We, uh, we basically, I'm like looking at this camera, it's this camera. That's um, <laughs> where we, uh, as Mike said earlier, checking on the homies. We just kind of want to talk about like what our mental health is like for the, for the week uh, and uh, what we're doing to kind of either help us or what maybe we're neglecting to do that may be keeping us in that funk. But um, I want to, at least to get it started, you know, you've done a lot of projects like that, like just hearing you talk about having to bring a team together, like that sounds insane. And I'm sure there was nights where you were probably like, cause I can't imagine everything going to plan right away, right? <laughs> so Jeez. I want, I guess I'd like to hear what your process is. You know, what, what are some things that you do um, to like when you get, you know, bad news or you have something that is just because I when I hear when I hear what you're talking, about, I'm like, man, there, you must have so many like what like things that help you cope through anxiety or like something, you know, makes like it's got to make you angry because like, you know, maybe somebody doesn't pull their weight on something or something falls through last minute. Like what is your go to to like? Stay sane, because you still seem very sane to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is your process, or like, what is something that you that you do as like a, a way to cope, or something to get you to the next step? Like, what what is that? Yeah, that's a, a good question. I mean, I I think something that's really fundamental for me at this point in my life is being married, having having a wife that's that's supportive and that is there to kind of helped me through through the good times and the bad and you know to bounce stuff off of I think that mm-hmm. that is um is a huge deal for me and I think a second thing is uh just 
in this, in when you're in this type of work, you have these ways where it's just all out working. And then you get to a point where things slow down. It's never, it's never a constant amount of work yeah. where, um, where it's like, Oh yeah, you just work eight to five Monday through Friday and you <clears throat> close your doors and it's done. Mm-hmm. It's always like a wave that is going on. So I think it's important that after you go through a big like work period where you're really working super hard that you take time for self-care and you don't feel guilty about it. Because uh. I know for a lot of years I felt guilty if I wasn't like constantly even even coming off of like, you know, a month or two months of like a big project like Garage Rescue, if I wasn't mm-hmm. back in the office and, you know, working, you know, working hard each day, um, I would feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that you have to, after coming off these big projects, you got to take some time for yourself. You got to reestablish, you know, the routines um, and yeah, and just take care of yourself and, and give yourself like, you know, a pat on the back and just say, you know, it's okay to, you know, go water the plants or <laughs> do whatever you need to do. I, I will say that ever since you've gotten married, I have seen you take more casual time to yourself. Sure. A little more vacations, a little more yeah. time off, which is something that like you would never see before, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's definitely. Yeah. Nice. And I guess to elaborate on that, that's what I think what really helped me is when I uh, met my wife and we got into, you know, a more serious relationship uh, she works in the school district as a registered behavioral therapist. And so her schedule is very like eight to five. Um, and so for me, I started to adapt my schedule to that rather than before when I was single, I'd just work, you know, nights, weekends, whenever. Mm-hmm. So I really made it a, an effort to say, you know, this relationship's important to me. And so I'm going to do my absolute best to like really try to keep it to like an eight to five during the week. If I've got to work weekends, um, you know, she's understand, she's always been supportive towards Mm -hmm. me, but that gave me that balance that I didn't have beforehand Mm -hmm. as like a freelancer, as a business owner. So it kind of gave me that normality. And when I do have to actually go and work weekends or, you know, I just came off of six weeks where it was just like pure grinds. Like she's there, she understands I got to travel or I've got to work, you know, that Mm -hmm. extra time. But I always try to come back to having that routine, um, for her when it's, when it's, um, possible yeah and yes michael she would be a great person to have on this show Dang. i figured we'd bring it up after we had night on <laughs> awesome um and just just to kind of get a little more a little more detailed uh what is what is like what is like your self-care look like what is you you just finished a crazy project what is your your i guess your wind down from something like that yeah yeah well that's what i guess i'm getting back into and it's hard because um i think about talking about like mental health you know you you like to have a routine. Like for example, before the six weeks I was, you know, getting in some exercise, I was cooking, I was, you know, um, you know, taking some personal time to just read those kinds of things. And then Mm -hmm. you spend six weeks just grinding so hard. And that's, then you have to like reestablish those habits. Mm -hmm. And this is a constant thing. This isn't just like a one-time deal. This is throughout every single year. You can probably speak to this too, because, being in a band and going on tour and then trying to come back, it's always hard. But as far as like my routine, I think my mornings are really important to me. Mm -hmm. So I try to get up, you know, between five and 6 AM and I try not to like really start working till 8 AM. So to have coffee in the morning, to be able to do some reading, to ease into my day, maybe do a little exercise, like whatever it's going to be in that morning time period, really just kind of like gives me a good, you know, good base for the day when it's possible. And then after hours, if I'm able to, you know, shut off at five o'clock, like 
we always are like going to dinners or going to Disneyland or doing family things on the weekend. Uh, we're going on vacation next week. So I think just allowing my space in the mornings and the evenings when I have it to just really lean into like being with family. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Doing stuff I enjoy, like that's what resets me. Um, and when it comes back to having to grind and work nights and weekends, like I know that I'm going to come back to that. Uh, so it's always going to, it's always there. And I know it's going to, going to be there when I come back. So, yeah. I don't think I used to, I used to kind of hate the idea of like a routine for myself. Cause I was like, I always wanted to be just like free. Mm-hmm. And my life is whatever I do in the moment. I'm just, I'm yeah. just in it. Yeah. Every single day I'm just in the moment. But, but I realized, and, and I started to realize this even during tour, like why I like, why I like touring and why I was able to do touring is cause I like that there was a structure and I find that if you can build like some kind of routine, it makes it also easier to identify an outlier in your day. Right. Like you're, you're like, well, like today I feel a certain way. And it's like, or today's like, I feel, I'm, I feel stressed or I feel extra this or that. Well, if you have a pretty set routine, you can kind of look through your day and be like, well, I guess I skipped this. So I didn't get to, so th- this might be why I'm feeling this extra anxiety. Like, you know, you start to notice like, okay, well, I'm going to bed later now. That's, that's probably an effect in this, or I'm not eating, you know, breakfast. When I should normally eat breakfast. I skip, you know, I feel like when you have a routine, it's easier to see when something falls out of whack, mm-hmm. as opposed to just having to guess, like, you know, when you're, body or body when you're when your life is so chaotic and sometimes people that's just what it is like their schedule is chaotic but if you don't if you can't establish like a certain routine it's really hard to really notice this the small changes that have big impact uh on what your mental health can be or just your overall health in general so that's like i love that i love that you have like a, a schedule even when you have like your downtime mm-hmm. so that's so i think that's so valuable <clears throat> I don't know if um, you guys have heard this story. I think it was, I'm probably getting this wrong. I'm probably going to get blasted for it. But I think it was, it was like Akon or something like that. That was talking about going into the studio with Eminem. Yeah. Yeah, it was Akon. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I show up like, oh, I'm going to show up late at night. You know, whatever. Like, okay, cool. We're ready to go. And they're like, well, Eminem's gone. He's like, oh, where are you at? He's like, I went home. And apparently Eminem has like a nine to five schedule with music. Like he's in the studio from nine to five and he's there. That's his day. Like he's going to put out fucking goat level music from nine to five. He's like, but <laughs> after that, that's my time, you know? So, and Akon was like, if I wanted to sit in the studio with him and work with him, I had to be there between nine yeah. to five, you know, like that's the only way it worked. Um, and I think that there, like, there is some validity to that. I, and I can actually say that like, um, like before this show, like I was talking to Karima and I was like, dude, I feel like, I feel like I'm on the verge of just having like a meltdown. 
Um, just because like with work and like with everything going on, like, I feel like I'm just like, like as soon as this is done, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. And like my schedule lately has just been like piled on top of each other. And I was like, I can feel myself getting to that point where like little things annoy me that normally don't. Right. Like little things that, that happen throughout the day, like at work where I'm like, what the fuck? And then I'm like, wait, why am I so mad about this? And it's because like, I haven't, I haven't gotten myself back into a routine. And I like, now I'm really starting to feel it to where I'm like, Oh, I need to get back in the groove of doing things like, because it's like, okay, you know, like we have a pretty set schedule with the podcast and like Mm -hmm. my editing schedule for that is like pretty, you know, like it's pretty on point, but then everything else that we've been trying to do and take on lately too, like, and then outside of the podcast, things that I'm trying to do at home and like, you know, all this stuff, like it's just so chaotic at this point where I'm like, I got to find some sort of balance, some sort of like, you know, routine that I can get into to where I'm like, I'm not feeling like, like in my head, you know, I'm like, we have uh, the NBR lyric video to finish up. But then I also have a couple voiceover projects that like are due in the next few days that I haven't even started yet. Mm. And then I just took on another, you know, project with a buddy of ours. And then like, on top of that, we have, we're doing two episodes this week, because we're going to sit down with Ty tomorrow. And then like, I'm thinking about all that in my head. And instead of just focusing on like, okay, like just you know, like getting your groove, like whatever. I'm like, how do I do it all at once? Mm. And that's what's causing me to be like, oh, I, I can't do it all at once. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know? Um, <clears throat> so having that like routine or schedule where like, okay, this is the time frame that we're going to get things done. It's so, it's so helpful. It's so crucial that like, you know, it makes a huge difference. And it, you know, it does. And it's being in a, the freelance world or having your own business it is so hard to say no. It is yeah. so hard to say no because you you realize that if you say no to somebody that they're going to move on to mm-hmm. a new voiceover guy or to mm-hmm. a new yeah. video production company. And so I think it's you have to it's it's hard because you you say mm-hmm. yes to so many things and you want to do so so many things but where do you draw the line? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and another thing that you had mentioned earlier too was that um <clears throat> you know like especially in freelance stuff and when it comes to things like this, like you'll have times when it's really, really busy and then there are times when it's dead, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it's just like, you know, like you might have little things here and there, but it's like, okay, how are we going to get through this period? And then like, you know, things will start to pick back up again. So it's it's almost that fear of like, well, shit, I got to take everything I can, I can right now, anything mm-hmm. I'm capable of taking on right now, because if I don't, this might not be around when I need it, you know, like to carry over and carry through. Um, so like, yeah, there's, there's always that mentality too, but Dude, can, can I say something? So there's a little shout out to my, to my buddy. Like I, I call him my cousin. We're not cousins, but I call him my cousin, uh, Adriel. Have you guys met Adriel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know Adriel. Yeah, yeah. I know Adriel real well. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's for good. No. Yeah. No, he's a, he's an awesome guy. He actually did some gaffing for a commercial project that we did. And then we were like, pretty much brain dead because we had stayed up for 24 hours filming at night in the desert mm-hmm. and we drove home and drank coffee and talked about all kinds of crazy stuff yeah yeah dude. it's awesome awesome okay cool so this is uh i feel like it wasn't like too too long ago but we were talking and he said something and, I'm, and i've been like I've, it's one of those things i've had in the back of my mind but it's really been driving my life i feel like in the last couple months um but we we're talking and he's like 
He's like, you know what's a what's a conspiracy? So of course I'm like, tell me, please <laughs> lay it on me. Yeah. He's like, scarcity. Yeah. Like, okay. He's like, with scarcity, if you can put that on someone, you can control them. Hmm. He's like, he's like, when I learned, he's like, when I finally like saw saw things for what they were, and I realized. I'm not going to be scared of scarcity anymore because there will always be work. There will always be things to do. He's like, he's like, uh, he's like, I'm sure with you, like with music, he's like, our shows are going to stop. Are you going to just stop performing? He's like, no. He's like, so like artists should always be able to pick and choose what they want. People who do their own thing, like you should always be able to say yes and to, to what you want and no to what you want. Like the idea of like projects running now, things like, he's like, that's fear. It's like that's mm-hmm. yeah. That's someone putting scare the idea of scarcity into your life, and if you ignore it, you'll be happier. It's like, huh? I was like, fuck, man. Like, <laughs> it's easier it, said than done. No. Well, yeah, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. that thing about like MBR just grinding. Like we say yes to everything, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then eventually, you know, we burnt out. Like we completely burned out. And I've really tried to put that into like, like now it's a lot easier. Um, with MBR, it's easy because like it's really hard to do anything right now <laughs> yeah. with us because everyone's so spread out. But there's been so much benefit to that. Like there's things that we we have ahead of us. You know, there's things that we turn not not because we were trying to like leverage, but it's like, you know, if something isn't work for us, we're okay saying no. You know, and then it, and opportunities are still coming. You know, with uh with one my other band, Burner State. You know, there's I understand like the need to want to play and like yeah like i get that and i and i i have to be really mindful of like it's easy for me to be like pass up on shows that i'm like this show this is this is cool to play just to play but like we're trying like there's things that we're trying to do as a, as a band and so you know i can i can i feel their uneasiness when I'm telling them like, no, let's pass on this. Yeah. Let's wait. Like something else. Like let's pass. Yeah. The, uh, the fear of the hype dying down. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, we're going to be fine. Like we don't have to play the show. You know, if, if we all want to, then cool, let's do it. But it's like, we don't need this right now. We have other things we're trying to focus on. Like, let's like, it's okay to say no to this. Like we'll be fine. And so I think, uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've really fallen into that. Like, I feel like I've been a yes man for a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I, I finally, um, I think, I think, I think the pandemic was great for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of showed them like, Hey, the world literally stopped <laughs> and you're okay. Yeah. You know, I know not everyone has that same experience, but I think that was a really good reset for some people. Like, Hey, like learn how to chill right now. Like, like be okay with like chilling, right <clears throat> now. like, you know, take time, you know, I think, um, I think that was, you know, for myself, I think there's a lot of good things that came from the pandemic. At first, it was a little weird. But after a while, I was just like, mm, yeah. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually all right with this. It allows me to focus on school. Um, you know, uh, it was like around that time is I think when Mike and I started connecting a lot more, we we're hanging out more, doing venting over coffee, which led to this thing, <laughs> you know, so. Finally, years, years later. I know. <laughs> I don't know what a, I don't know what a podcast is, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember back when I was doing uh, the Robot Lab, um, I would hit up Mike like regularly, like yo, dude, either 
just come talk on the show for a little bit. And then like, it'd be sick if you did a podcast, like, you know, whatever. And it was like this, like just slow chipping away. And then, <laughs> and I think that it helped that, um, because during the pandemic, you know, we were both single, all of our friends had girlfriends to like hang out with. And it was just me and Mike. So we just started spending a lot of time together. And that was when I was like in his ear, like, dude, just, just do it. Just do it. Just, uh, and then I started doing Instagram lives and he's just like, that's basically a podcast. <laughs> what, like, what is your hang up, man? I'm like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I'm doing anything. And I was I, like, I'll do everything. Yeah, he's like, I'll do everything. Is that all it is? Like, <laughs> what is keeping you from it? I'm like, I just, I was like, if, if you do everything, I'll show up, man. I'll do it. I'll talk. Yeah. That's why like Instagram lives were so great. Just push a button. There you go. It, it posts for you. Find your angle. Dude, yeah. The the there's a video somewhere of Mike setting up his Instagram live angle, and it's just I'm just watching him like <laughs> set up the phone and then like like moves it around. And then he sits back and he looks and then just repositions it again <laughs> with that little tripod right there. Like right here. All faithful. <laughs> Um, well then, uh, kind of like talking on the, on the topic of, you know, having your, um, your routine and then like, you know, business and work and everything like that. Um, so I got a text from you, what was that like a, two weeks ago, maybe a week ago where you're like, Hey man, we haven't really said anything yet. Um, you know, I'm going to be a dad basically. <laughs> Um, and, and now it's been announced, you know, like it's, it, it is out there in the world, but I'm curious and, and I, and I, what I want to do, um, is talk to you about it now and then talk to you about it like six months after, the, after the kid's <laughs> yeah. born, you know? Um, <clears throat> but like, what, what are you, I, I kind of want to know like what, what the thought is, like what your, where your head is at, like just being like, dude, brand new first time dad. Um, you know, like this is like life's about to change, right? Yeah. Like life's about to shift dramatically. And I'm kind of curious, like what your thoughts are, like what your, where your headspace is. This is something that we actually wanted to do with Chris Williams too, but we never got a chance mm -hmm. to get him on the show before, uh, before Taylor was born. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, like where, where your head is on this. Sure. Well, I mean, I, first off, uh, my wife and I, we, we planned, plan for this. So okay. it wasn't a surprise. We decided to, to try and it happened really quick. And so I think that we both were having conversations for probably about two years of just having, you know, do we want to have kids? And I, the answer was always like a yes, but then like, when do we want to have when? kids? Mm -hmm. Do we feel ready as people to, to be parents? And, mm -hmm. um, I don't think you're ever going to feel fully ready. And I don't feel ready yeah. <laughs> uh, fully at this point, but I think eventually you just have to, if you're in the position where you're going to decide and try you, you do it. So, um, I think that now moving into this next chapter where it's like, okay, there's a baby on the way. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of things that you think about at, at first we thought we were having a boy mm -hmm. and, um, we even, our whole family thought we were having a boy. And then even like our priest thought we were having a boy and we went to ultrasound and they said, it, we think it's going to be a boy. And then the day before the actual gender reveal for our family, we found out it was going to be a girl. So our oh. whole like minds up to then was like planning for a boy. And I have, uh, so was two... it just like her arm was like positioned perfectly? Yeah. Well, like... apparently there's like, <laughs> that's, boy. that's a boy yeah. right there. Yeah. Well, apparently there's a nub and it goes up or down, but I guess it was started up and yeah. So anyways, we, okay. yeah, I became, so we hadn't really talked about having a girl and I have two brothers and I don't really have any close cousins that are girls. 
So I didn't grow up around girls. So yeah. it was a big like mindset change for me. Like, okay, I'm having oh, a girl. Shit. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like I didn't want to have a daughter. You know, it was, I was open to, to either one. And so was my wife, but it was a big mindset uh, yeah, switch. Cause it's absolutely. like, how do you, how do you raise a daughter? Like, how do you raise a daughter to yeah. be, um, to be like, you know, a good person mm-hmm. and, and try to do your best as a dad. So for me, it's always, I always try to, you know, ask people, um, especially yeah. having friends and family that have daughters, but also reading, um, I'm reading a book right now called uh, strong fathers, strong daughters. And so I think I, I learned a lot from, I'm learning a lot from that book about, uh, you know, even from just a statistical standpoint and then just an emotional standpoint, like how do you actually raise a daughter to do well in this world and to be a strong person? And I think that the core of, of what I'm seeing is like, you got to be there yeah. for, for your child and you need to be there and you need to spend time with them. And it's okay to have rules and it's okay to be strict. And especially with daughters, um, because that's showing them that you care. Right. Yeah. And uh, so those were some of the big things that I think I've been kind of learning. And what my cousin uh, JD told me is you can read all the books in the world. And it's gonna, <laughs> as soon as you have the daughter, it's going to go all out the window. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure that like all the stuff that I'm reading uh, on pregnancy books mm-hmm. and and about having a daughter, it's, you know, it, it, you'll you'll take on some of it, but it's going to be a whole new experience. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a life change. And especially being a business owner and traveling, like it's going to be tough. Like, yeah. you know, we my wife and I, we both work uh, full time and um that's not going to change so we're we're ready for a challenge but i don't think we're even fully ready yeah. for it i think one of the things about like you know being a, a father and having a daughter and obviously i'm speaking out of completely nothing because i don't have a, a daughter but i you know <laughs> well uh, yeah um yeah uh, but i think that there is a huge thing to say about like um, and obviously this is for having boys as well, but especially when it comes to having girls, um, like the, the way that you are as a father to your daughter is really going to set the stage for her in the future as far as like what she's looking for. Um, you know, when she's of the age to like date and like, mm. you know, eventually start a family and have a husband of herself, like kind of like that, you know, that precedent that you set. Like, oh, my father was good to my mom. He was, uh, you know, there for me. He was a good, you know, he was always supportive, things like that. Like, those are going to be traits that she's going to look for in a future partner, you know. Um, and and I think that that, like, has a huge impact, you know, for them moving forward. And so, and I mean, I know you, like, you're, you're a stand-up dude. Like, you, you've always been, like, a man of your word, you know. And I, I don't see you, you know, straying from that in any way. Um, but I can definitely see why the stress level would be like, oh, we're having a daughter, yeah. you know, versus like, oh, you have a boy, like he's going to be like out in the, in the dirt. Like he's going to get fucked up. He's going to, you know, I'm going like, to know what to do. Yeah. 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 I'm going to know what to do. Cause I've been there before, but like, it's a completely different ball game, you know, when, with a daughter mm-hmm. and then you never, I mean, she might end up being a tomboy that just like rips it up and rides dirt bikes <laughs> like the best of them, you know, yeah. but at the same time, like preparing yourself for those those moments where it's like oh now we're we're in the makeup stage like yeah like austin like when austin had daughters it was like like i was like how are you gonna do this and he's like i don't know <laughs> my brother but, dude i'm like he's like the yeah. best dad uh-huh. yeah so <clears throat> yeah i'm i'm excited for you I, i'm excited to see it happen uh, Thanks, you, you've had uh you know you're 
I guess we're also appreciate looking back, like thinking back on, or you know, just you as a freshman to going through high school, like you're you want to know how to do things, you know, yeah. and just even talking right now, like how you like read you reading books on this stuff, like you're gonna do so well with this, and I think it's gonna be fun for you, man, because it is gonna be it's gonna be a challenge, you know, you're not you're not a woman, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know? like, you don't you're gonna, have, you're gonna have to learn, you know, how how that you know that dynamic, like my mm-hmm. it's it's been interesting watching my brother go through this <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> sorry i'm like laughing because like uh, you know my you've, you've my been nieces, there my yeah. nieces are like they're they're pretty they're funny man they say some some wild stuff <laughs> but it's uh it's just it's just different it's fun and uh you know i think you're gonna do well with this man i feel like you're gonna you know you you've it really you you're i've seen you be a leader in school you know like like you said like it went into like your class stuff and you've started your own business and you're running that like i think it's gonna be fun for you guys man like it's gonna be you know i'm sure you'll get her on everything like bikes music Mm -hmm. you get to share all that you get to you get to put that you know you get to do something uh i think what's cool is seeing what my you know, my brother doing things that, like, I guess we would have liked to have had as far as, like, when it comes to sports. Like, the way we, the way my brother and myself talk to my nieces, it's so different than, than I feel like most <laughs> of the, you know, other little kids will get. But, uh, but that's, like, exciting for us because, like, we didn't have that. So now we get to. And didn't you find out that one of your nieces just has, like, a cannon on her? Dude, both my nieces. They do. Dude, they have, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. Did you, see, I, did you see them throw up that pinata? Dude. dude, my niece blew in and punched it, dude. dude. The little one. So, so Mike's birthday, there was a there was a pinata, but it was like kind of off to the side. Mm. And at some point, they started playing a movie in the back, and the girls were just over there by the pinata, and they just like had this like straight up like eh, fuck it moment. And you just see one of them, I forget who it was, I forget which one it was, just jump up like flying, uh, jump in the air and like punch the, the pinata. Abby came in and, and then like, she had then, a bat, wow. but then she like decided I'm gonna just punch it instead. <laughs> Boom. And dude, they're like they're like straight up like coming down on this pinata like what? <laughs> like the the thing is laying on the ground. They're just beating. The, I was like, Mike, are they supposed to be doing that right now? <laughs> He's like, uh, just let it be, dude. I've, one of the things that I've I've, uh, I've had to like because like I watch videos on like fast pitch and stuff like that. Because I'm like, oh, I want to be the one to show them, but I'm also been okay. Like when they get to that point. If they want to do it, then yeah. like I was like, we'll just get them lessons. Yeah, have someone who does it can do it. Other things I can like step in, but already like when like there's like little games that we'll play, because I don't want like our fear like my and uh, my my brother and my sister all do a really good job and like they haven't like, you know, pushed them too hard to do anything that like sport wise. They want to do it. They show interest, and then they'll we'll, like everyone's gonna jump in super hard. And so like just like little things like I have like a ton of tennis balls. And so I'm like, all right. So like, I'm going to roll this at you. And then you, you just like, let it go through your legs, but don't let it go too close to one leg. It has to go like, like right in the middle through your legs. So I'm, like, <laughs> on, I'm like teaching them how to like get placement yeah. and stance and everything. Uh, and so like, uh, you know, and then this, okay, this one, I'm going to roll it to you guys and you can't let it get past you, but you can only get it with this hand because they're both right handed. Yeah. Like you can only touch it with this hand, your left hand. But not this hand, okay? So you can only I'm gonna I'm gonna roll it and you have to block it, but only this hand. Okay? <laughs> Sneakily teaching them yeah. baseball. Yep, yep. So it's amazing. Yeah, and then uh, I haven't started this yet, but uh, we're gonna have a thing where I'm gonna just give them because I have like 
have my you know my nets whatever for baseball but I, i'm also been collecting tennis balls and so i'm gonna do a game where um i'm giving tennis balls i'm just gonna stand a pretty good distance every time you hit me with this tennis ball I get a quarter mm. so at some point i can implement that i'm a little nervous because the older one's already <laughs> <laughs> and then next level is a pitching machine yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah no it's your, i mean once once either of them commit it is on like i have like in my house i have this we have like nets everything it'll be yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's a don't like, be afraid to get hit <laughs> well no it, like uh my brother will take them to the driving range and stuff mm-hmm. like yeah. they go for they're already doing golfing stuff too like it's gonna translate right over mm-hmm so, so Jesse, uh, just to kind of uh, give you a, an idea of what it was like when we were, you know, playing baseball, um, our our my old roommate John uh, Ajmini <clears throat> played catcher, <laughs> and he was he didn't he he was afraid of the ball, right, to say the least. Like he, like you know, you you throw the ball, <laughs> and he would avoid it, right, and we're like, nah, dude. You got to throw your butt, put your body in front of that ball, right? I walk up to practice one day and his hands are tied. (laughs) I don't think, I don't know if Mike did this or not, but his hands were tied behind his back and they were just throwing baseballs at him so that he would like drop on his knees and like block the ball with the, with, with the, the gear on. Yeah, he had a chest protector. He had a chest protector on. Yeah, he had had everything. He was was fully geared up. But just to teach him like, don't be afraid of the ball. Like you're, you got to stop this ball with your body. Right? So that was really, it was all Chris. So Chris was just like, he's like, I'm going to do something with John. Okay. You just have to let me do it. I want you to know. They did this to me when I was like eight years old. Okay. I'm like, all right. He's like, I'm going to tie his hands behind his back. I'm like, like literally tie. He's like, I'm going to literally tie his hands behind his back. I was like, okay. I the good rope. In my, in my mind, I'm like, okay. I was like, the girl softball comes in and out. Okay. I was like, we have to do it like right at the beginning of practice. Cause like our, yeah, I don't want it's before practice even started. Like yeah. it was right. Cause I remember walking up, like had my bag on. I'd like just changed and I'm walking up and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, okay, we gotta do this. For practice. Okay. And so like teachers leave at this time. <laughs> yeah. And I had to like tell, like tell John, like, Hey John, if you're like, not okay with this, <laughs> like you can tell me, I can stop this. There's like a safe word. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's a safe word. Yeah. he was just like oh. he's like no no yeah he's like no i'll do it i don't like he was he was he was like down to do it and of course chris was just like do make you better man like you need to do this like you keep <laughs> you keep bitching out in front of balls and like it's embarrassing man like you're you're letting your pitchers down you know as you know chris <laughs> chris chris does, was a hard coach yeah but it was good it was tough love it was tough love yeah yeah, like uh, yeah. There's a couple times where like I have to be like, "Hey, Chris, we gotta like." Can you stop dropping the f bomb at these kids. <laughs> yeah, for what it's worth, he he became a really good catcher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah, he, he did. It kind of reminds me when uh when our football coaches would do bull in the ring because like when the guys would get be scared of getting hit, they're like, "All right, bull in the ring," and then we get like every single player. He goes, "All right, skill players, you get afraid to get hit. Here comes the lineman. Just hit them right straight on." And that's what gets gets you used to it. it gets yeah. you used to taking those hits. No, that's that's just good practice. I mean, I, I wouldn't say tie somebody up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that I mean, there's more 
Yeah. It's more rules now. Yeah, I don't know if that would fly these days. Yeah, there's different things we can do now for, for things yeah, like that. Freaking speed I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Perez, we're going to have to terminate your coaching <laughs> yeah. position here. Dude, it's, yeah. The I actions of your assistant coach have. I just see uh, him at a meeting and he's like pitching the idea. They're like, what? <laughs> it's just a thought. Like, we don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I've had, like, coaching is very different now from there. You know? <laughs> Some of the terminologies that I used to use, I can't use anymore. The world, the world has changed. The world has changed. Yeah, yep. the world has changed. Um, yeah. I don't think your aunt would be calling us gay anymore. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. She might. She still might. I don't know. Um, but yeah, man. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, we'll talk off camera some of this, <laughs> some of this stuff. But um, yeah, so. Um, trying to think of what the how time i guess we i guess we basically did our mental health checks yeah uh, did you have questions that you want to go over yeah we got a couple questions we'll, we'll, we'll go through this quick we're not the other weekend i have a quick question real quick uh is this my red shirt mike that is your red shirt, <laughs> your red shirt. <laughs> hey if you hey if you show up and you keep working hard <clears throat> You might get one of you these. Might get, you might get one of those, that real that real microphone that we have. And then, and then eventually, maybe a camera. Maybe a camera. Maybe a camera. <laughs> if Ryan can do that, I yeah. yeah, have that belief. I'll just have a picture of Ryan over there. <laughs> just a little cardboard cutout on the front yeah. of the mic. <clears throat> yeah, and my, I think my, I think my, I know, I know my brother's not here to tell it, but my brother's uh, favorite story is. For anyone who doesn't know, my my brother is a pastor, um, and he was also the head coach when when uh, when, Ron, when both these guys were there. He was the head coach. I was the assistant. Um, my brother has been ejected from. Well, at least for baseball, he's been ejected once. Yeah, like not a lot. Yeah. And and the only time he was ejected once every game, <laughs> it was in a, it was when, it was when we were in the playoffs, and Ryan was up to bat, and we were playing team. We were getting beat, like we were getting beat, like we weren't. It was it was pretty much the end of the game, and um, and the umpires clearly wanted to get out of there, and so Ryan was a freshman, right? Yeah, I think it was my freshman year. Was your freshman year. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and he so he got out of red shirts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he started. He was he, he was starting this game. This was like the this was like Ryan's like is is apex of his freshman year. Like he went from red shirt to starting nice. playoff game. We're getting our asses handed to us, and um and so Ryan just little this little freshman. He's up there batting, and he gets he gets like nailed. Like he gets like drilled. Like right like I think it's like right in the back or something. Yeah, like it was it was. And so he's he's going to take his take his base. The umpire's like, oh, because and it's because he had two strikes on him. He had two strikes on him. I think like maybe no balls. <laughs> and so he get and then he gets nailed in the back. And so he he's going to first base. And the umpire's like, no, 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 he didn't make an attempt to move because he wants his game to end. So he wants so he he wants him to to strike out basically, you know, to get this game moving. And so he's like, no, no, he didn't make enough of an attempt to get out of the way. And even though the ball hit him like square in the back. And so my brother just like he like lost it and he like went out. That was the Lord's wrath. The Lord's wrath, yeah. And uh, started flipping tables. Just yeah. Started. Well, he went out there. He was kicking dirt and stuff. And it, and, <laughs> and it's, it's funny because he like he you know for if you get an injection, 
you know, usually there's, there's, it's cause you know, you've used words and stuff and, <laughs> but for him, he just, he was just like, he just kept saying, you're horrible. <laughs> or like, or like, just cause you want to leave. That's cussing to him. Just yeah. <laughs> He's like, just cause you want to leave. doesn't mean, you know, my kids have to get hurt, you know, blah, blah. And like, and so he got, he got ejected and that was, that was his first, he, his first time getting ejected was for Ryan getting hit and not getting his base. <laughs> And uh, and that was actually my first time being a head coach. And then I knew I had yeah. pressure the whole time. Yeah, and he got, he got yeah, he got tossed. He got tossed. And my brother was he's leaving. He's like, "Well, they're all yours." Yeah. I was like, "All right, man. Well, so, oh, that's yeah. awesome." Uh, like, watch out for if you guy. if you guys want to uh, check out Mario's demeanor, we did do an episode with him uh, mm-hmm. that you guys can check out. Uh, I don't know exactly which number it is, but <clears throat> you you guys will see that that calm and casual demeanor of, of Mario Perez. Yeah, dude, he's he he coached uh, girls. Um, his last stint coaching, he was coaching at Escondido. And yeah. He's coaching the varsity girls basketball team. Mm-hmm. He, dude, the stuff he says as a basketball coach is so different from what he says <laughs> as a baseball yeah. coach. Yeah, it's I would so, have loved to seen that. Yeah. yeah, like he my he's such a because my my brother. Is a basketball. Player. He's a basketball guy, yeah. Yeah, and so he know and he knows how to talk to refs and stuff. So he'll say stuff, and I'm like close enough to be like, oh. and he'll be talking like, "Hey, Brett, say one, you know, hey, coach, say one more thing, one more thing." You're, yeah. you're out of here. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right, so we can let's go through these. We'll go through these quick. Uh, Mario was on episode twenty. If you guys want to watch it, episode Sick. twenty. Um, this is from from Jolka. He said thoughts on the new Black Panther. Ooh, we gotta save that. Yeah, yeah. we gotta but, save uh, that. By the way, I finally met Joker, and um, they were like, "Oh no, you've met him before." I was like, "Nah, I recognize the haircut." <laughs> yeah, mm. that was fun. Well, um, we, we'll save that, Joker. We're gonna talk about that. Uh, we have a special guest coming in specifically to talk about. Yeah, that. for mm. next week's episode. Yeah, <clears throat> but I think I think just without any going into it, I mean, it was. I think they did as good as they could. It was better than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is from Intern Harry. Uh, best experience meeting a celebrity. <laughs> Look at Ryan. <laughs> meeting a celebrity. Hmm. Well, I actually I got a chance to film with Travis Pastrana, which when I was growing up, I had his you know poster on my wall of him doing a uh, Indian Air. So one day I got a, a company that wanted me to go out and film him uh, doing a practice session at the motocross track. And dude, he was so down to earth, man. Yeah. He was just like, so casual came with, Hey, I'm Travis. You know, the one thing I did find out though, is that he does have a pretty big foul mouth, but he knows how to like, (laughs) if he knows that like when the cameras cameras are on, he doesn't, he doesn't doesn't do any of that. But like when the camera's off, he's just more casual and does a lot of cussing and awesome. But, uh, but yeah, he, that was probably one of the guys where I was like, man, that, that was really cool to meet him, film with him, and then him actually be a, a good dude. I can I can say um, so. This actually ties into uh, recent news. R.I.P. Kevin Conroy. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was, uh, you know, for me, most iconic. That, that's my Batman. Um, I even posted like he was a big part of like me getting into like voiceover. Like I was like, oh, dude, the voice of Batman. That's sick, you know. Um, <clears throat> but I I actually had the most, like, the quickest, most brief interaction with him at Comic-Con. And it was, like, one of the first times I was just, like, over starstruck by somebody. Um, like, it's only happened a very, like, a few times, and he was one of them. And it was just in passing. Like, I was, I was had my camera, I was filming, like, the con, and, and uh, 
he was on his way to a signing as like there's a big ass line and i'm like i I can't i don't i want to wait in the line but at the same time i can't i'm just you know i'm trying to do all this stuff so i caught him in passing and i was like dude uh, kevin conroy man like batman he's like hey what's up and like shook my hand and like I wish, like uh, I had taken a picture, but like I had a shoulder rig, and it was awkward to like <laughs> turn it around and try to like, selfie it, it you know. <laughs> and so I was just like, um, you know, dude, met him real quick, and he was just so nice. And and he was like, all right, man, I gotta go. You know, I was like, dude, th- dude, thank you for shaking my hand. <laughs> but yeah, man, that was it, it's is it's cool. It was nice, dude. I think uh, I think mine was. Uh... When I was a little kid, I went to Troy Percival's baseball camp, mm. and the entire week he wasn't there, so he just showed up on he showed up on the last day, and so it was like a Friday, and um, and so he came out and he's like, yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna take pictures of you guys and, and he'll answer questions. He took like three questions, and then and then that was it. And then we had to go, the camp went to our lunch, and that was it. And so for whatever reason, like two of these kids were like, hey, we're gonna hide in the bathroom. If he, and hopefully he's still here and we'll, we're going to talk to him. And I would, I wasn't even friends with these guys, but I was just like, I'll stay too. Like, and I still remember like we stayed in, you just hid in the bathroom, just hid in the bathroom, buses left without <laughs> us and we stayed behind and Troy Percival was there talk, still talking to the coaches and stuff. And like, I think we're, I mean, I, we, we got in trouble, whatever, but like, uh, Troy Percival right away realized what we did. And he was just like, if you guys want to stay and talk, I'll talk with you guys. Dang. So we we're like, all that's right. cool. And so we asked him like the most ridiculous questions, dude. Like I asked him, I was like, hey, so when the bench is clear, I was like, are you like looking for? I was dude, I was like a little kid. I was like, are you like looking for someone or or <laughs> do you just swing at whoever? Yeah, I was like, or or your mom pick you up? I was like, or what do you like? What do you do when the bench is clear? And I think I even threw out like one of the games that, and he was just like. First, I check to see if my teammates are okay. If I see if someone has, you know, is getting getting the he best gave of you one the of my PC answer. Do you gave me a really well? He, well, he's like, I check to see uh, if my that my teammates are okay. Make sure no one's getting, you know. And then, you know, every, you always have in the back of your mind, you remember things. And then I look for guys, you know. <laughs> he's like, but Sick. you know, but he's like, but I I want to make sure that I'm looking for. I make sure my teammates are good. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> and like, yeah, I don't know. That was cool that he was like. He could have been a dick and been like, "Get out of here, kid." Yeah, I think he knew that we were getting in trouble, so I was like, "No, no, I'll stay." They yeah. stay. Yeah, stay. yeah. we'll make um, it worth it. For you so, guys. did you pay for it? I mean, I don't even remember what we got. It didn't matter, you know. Yeah. For me, like it was the last day. I think I don't know. I think they just talked to our parents or whatever. But yeah. go for it, dog mom. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, "This is worth it, man." Um, uh, let's see. Uh, best memory of a song you've covered. Uh, we covered a comeback kid song and I remember debating on whether or not to play that comeback kid song when we played with comeback kid. (laughs) (laughs) And like, obviously we, we didn't play it, but just the funny, like, um, well, this is the song that most people get hyped for, for us. (laughs) Like, this is the one song where everybody in the crowd is involved, you know? And then we're like, we can't, we can't do that (laughs) obviously. So we didn't, but Other than that, like that cover ripped, like everywhere we'd go, like whenever we'd. And the the funny thing about that cover, um, it was like a hidden track 
on the creative void record. Mm -hmm. So you had to actually like purchase the, the record to get that cover, mm. um, which now that it's been so long, I should probably find the track and just put it on YouTube because like, you know, that way it's out there. But um, the cool thing about recording that song is we were up at uh, Castle Ultimate and um, everybody in the band did vocals on it. So me, Chris, Steve uh, and Jake. Uh, that's right. So all of us, like if you listen to that song, like all of us are doing different parts and different verses and stuff. And um, <clears throat> there's a there's a. Oh, it wasn't that song, but it, th there was a, a period of time where like we're all going back and forth. And then out of nowhere, Steve gets in there and we're like, OK, cool. Steve's going to come in and yell some stuff. And Steve just fucking ripped it. And we were like, <laughs> Steven, we didn't even know you had this in you. He just like so casually just comes in, rips the verse and then he's done. Steps out, goes back to being like calm and cool and collected in the corner. I was like, what the hell? The machine. So, but yeah, that that, that cover was fun. The whole the whole process, like the recording process, like, um, you know, just the fact that everybody jumps in to do it, and then when we play it live, like everybody went off for that cover. So, yeah. false idols fall. Um, I guess I won't go into like why I get angry when I hear our cover of "Living on a Prayer" recorded, um, because it was a it was a demo version that I was it was supposed to be a demo version I was going to record real vocals for it later. I ended up just using the demo version, which upset me. Still upsets me if I'd listened to it. But um, we did a tour. It was like the heaviest tour we've ever been part of. It was the Acacia Strain, uh, Cruel Hand, Fit for an Autopsy, and I think I Declare War. Fuck. Yeah, and us. And no brain rights. <laughs> um, and so uh, the the tour the tour manager of that tour, the Acacia Strain tour manager, was uh, Bruce from 100 Demons. Yeah. Um, and so we were, we were, I think like some, I forget what the sh what show it was, but, um, we're kind of hanging out and Bruce comes over and he's like, you guys covered living on a prayer. And we're like, Oh shit. We're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it stupid. We, he's like, cool. He's like, yeah, play it tonight. We're like, all right, Bruce, says play, play living on prayer. How do we say no to this? Yeah, and so yeah, and then and then by that and then like you know it kind of started getting out. And mind you, we already felt we were a super oddball on this on this tour, and so um, and then you know kind of slowly guys were like, "Are you guys gonna play living on prayer tonight?" We're like, oh, "Yeah, Bruce, who's uh, asked us? Think we're gonna do it?" And they're like, "All right." And then we start playing it, and like the entire tour package is like side stage, and they're all like like losing their minds, like going crazy. So that that was that was my favorite, I think, uh, memory of a cover, because uh, I was I remember just thinking like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be this is gonna be rough. And then we look over, and all these like dudes and these heavy bands are like all singing, <laughs> singing <laughs> "Living on Prayer." Um, do you have a favorite cover that you've covered? <laughs> All I do is when karaoke comes up, I always <laughs> I always go for Blink One Eighty Two or Sugar Ray. Yeah, that's my like go to. That's all I sing. Nice. Which Blink song? Uh, I'll just do like the main ones. Like, they put on whatever Blink song, and I'll be asleep and get up and sing it, <laughs> fall back to sleep. Mm. My family knows that if they put it on, I'll sing it. Uh, no Maroon Five. No, no Maroon Five. That's Perez. Uh, okay, let's see. In your touring experiences, because you you've toured, you travel too, so uh, in your touring experiences, what state has the friendliest people? 
Friendliest people? Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, I had a lot of good experiences, uh, like in the Northeast, Hmm. which you wouldn't expect. Yeah. But like, yeah, like the New England scenes and all that stuff like that. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of good experiences up there when I was uh, working for Atticus. I think Tennessee I had a lot of a lot of people at hotels or wherever uh, I was at um, or wherever I go because I end up traveling there a lot for work but uh, people are nice they're genuine they're friendly that good old southern hospitality you know about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah the south I guess is pretty I mean Canada too yeah Canada it's funny Canada, Canada definitely I guess I guess I'd have to say probably Canada, but Canada's also like one of those places too where we've had like really, really funny, uh, like, like someone ran off with Rick's base. Yeah. And then, and then other Canadians saw this happening and they're like, not in our town. They chased the dude down and like we thought they were going to just hold him. And they beat the shit out of this <laughs> Like they caught up to him. We're like, yeah, cool. They got him. And then we just like, they just like are beating him savage. We're like, oh, you know, it's like one yeah. of those things where like, okay, 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 then, that, that's cool, guys. Like, then you kind of start. Then you're like, uh, you're like running over, like, oh shit, like, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like, I, you're, you guys are all right though. The, the southern hospitality, because to me, when I think of tour, I think of like, oh, just going places I don't live, mm. and I still consider like I lived in this house, so I didn't really, yeah, you know, click. But yeah, <laughs> so not California. Yeah. All right. Um, All right. So, (laughs) gosh, I feel weird saying this. Uh, This is uh, from Matt, Maddie. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Dude, I don't know. He says, How does a blind person know when they're done wiping? Oh, God. How does a blind person know when they're done wiping? Um, I would assume smell. Right. I wonder if that's. I think I feel like it's just you just know. I know. Question was asked. Question was asked. Yeah. I feel like it's either it's either a smell or a touch thing. Like you kind of know when you're dry. I right? think so. Yeah. When you get up and walk for thirty minutes and it's not chafing, just yeah. Well, it's like when you're you never, not. Itchy. Have you ever not like shit in the dark? Yeah. What have you? What did you do then? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to answer this in a real way. <laughs> This is like when Martin asks us the stupid shower. shower question. <laughs> he, he goes afterwards, he goes, I didn't think you guys were actually going to answer that. <laughs> you send it in, we'll, we'll answer yeah. it. Uh, this one is sent from uh, Michael Diamonds. And it says, uh, where did Ryan learn his fastball? Uh, well, we, we covered that already. Yeah. For Mike Perez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if I were to work with you guys now, actually, we'll talk after. I'll tell you guys. <laughs> we're going to the park <laughs> yeah yeah, oh, yeah I'll, just, I'll just show you guys uh, I think that's it that's it as far as questions go sick I think we can probably wrap up well uh, well, what's what's next for you besides uh, the baby life man like any any anything that you can talk about project wise or sure uh, yeah so Week to Wicked has kind of evolved into what is now called four by four garage and car craft video. So, um, you know, four by four garage is trucks and off road and car craft is more like 
hot rods and muscle cars and stuff that are being built. <clears throat> so next year, um, we got a lot, <clears throat> I think about 20 episodes scheduled, uh, to go ahead and shoot of some really cool, some really cool builds. Um, so yeah, it's going to be build shows all next year yeah. and it's, it's a lot to, to think about, but I'm excited. I work with uh, some really, really good people on, on camera and off camera mm-hmm. in these projects. So I'm excited for it. It's funny. Uh, now that you mentioned that I, I met like Jason and, and all them, um, at your wedding. Right. Mm. <clears throat> and then, so like, I kind of like introduced myself like, Oh yeah, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, like, Oh, okay. Your friend's Ryan. I said, go. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I actually did a lot of voiceovers for like the week to wicked stuff. And they're like, Oh, that was you. Oh, okay. What's up, man? Like, <laughs> like just putting those yeah. like pieces together. It was interesting. Like, I knew I recognized your voice. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but yeah, man, that's like, you're like, Hey, I'm Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <clears throat> hey, I'm Mike. <laughs> I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, do you want to plug anything? Do you want to, uh, you want to push any social medias? No, I, I do a bad job. Yeah, we'll plug it for you. Yeah. Uh, so, um, as far as 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 far as our show, uh, make sure you guys follow at Walking Blind Pod everywhere. Um, Walking Blind Podcast at g or Walking Blind Pod at gmail uh, If you want to send in some questions, uh, we still got the merch store up. There's still a couple shirts left. Um, we got some uh, we got some promo stickers in. <laughs> What are we gonna just hold up a sticker? <laughs> uh, we got we got some stickers. We got you know some uh, some advertising and stuff, and then we've got um, we we've got some plans for some new merch and stuff yeah. on the way as well too. So you guys killed it with that last shirt. Um, Actually, yeah. at the at the Burnerster show, I was giving out some stickers and giving out some cards and everything like that, and everybody was like, "Dude, this is sick." What is it? It's a fox? No, it's a raccoon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this little, uh, little raccoon with sunglasses. It looks very, very... You know why I put these sunglasses in particular on here? Is because these are the sunglasses that Mike was wearing in that picture where he's all sad about the beach and flipping off the camera. <laughs> so that's why I put on these particular Ray-Bans on here. But yeah, we got the, uh, we got the logo um, and some other cool stuff yeah, on the way. I'll send you to our, uh, our links. Yep. But um, also, too, uh, we want to hear from you guys. Like, whenever we talk about any kind of subject or any questions you want to chime in on, we'd love to hear it. So either in the comments or message us or Gmail. Or uh, I'm still waiting for that one person to send us a handwritten letter. That would be... We haven't... Oh, yeah, we haven't submitted... <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike's just sitting here waiting, looking at a I mailbox. <laughs> Nobody has the address. <laughs> Well, for most people who order shirts, you have Mike's address. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about that. Feel free to drop in anytime. Yeah. Unannounced. Yeah. Yeah. We'll 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 be here with uh, with arms wide open. (laughs) So, uh, but we love you guys, dude. Thank you for coming out and hanging out with us. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, We was fun fun catching up. We got lucky to have a little break in the schedule. (laughs) You know. So. We love you guys. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.